1: Podcast. I am Chip Brown, joined by my colleague at Horns 24-7, the one and only Eric Henry. Eric, we are coming off the bye week, off week, and Texas is getting ready to get back on the field. They will take the field on the same field where the Houston Cougars pulled off a minor miracle with a hail Mary last second last play victory over West Virginia that did the Longhorns a favor. Oh my gosh. My man, Eric Henry has disappeared yes. from the, the
2: screen. The 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 old sun here in downtown uh, Austin just got blocked by a building. So hopefully another five minutes or
1: so I'll, I'll, I'll be up here. Jim. Okay. But he's there. Continue he's, The intro buddy. Only the shadow knows, but he's, he's very knowing. Um, West Virginia was in Texas's way sort of kind of, and Houston did the Longhorns a big favor uh, by winning that game over West Virginia, putting a loss on the Mountaineers. Now Oklahoma, the only undefeated team in the big 12. And uh, Eric, we had a chance to talk to the Longhorns uh, coming off the off week. Talk to Steve Sarkeesian. Sarkeesian talking about the red zone. He he's, you know, it's, he said it was as much on the coaches for the game planning and the play calling as it has been on the execution of the players. Want to get your thoughts on that. Um, also, you know, the the fact that uh, he sounded a, like he wants to be a little more aggressive on fourth down, Eric. He says, we've been really efficient on fourth down. It's got me thinking. Maybe Steve Sarkeesian is ready to uh, gamble a little bit more on fourth down. What do you think? The joys of living in downtown Austin, Chip.
2: By the time we do this next (laughs) week, I will, in fact, have a ring light so we can account for when we record these. Because, Chip, it's it's that time of year, right? The sun is going to start setting. And uh, I'm not gonna be able to depend on this uh, natural light to to hold me up here. But to the to the point that you made, um, let's start with the fourth downs, right? Uh, I, I touched on that, um, I believe, last week, Chip, talking about the team's short yardage and goal line success. And Steve Sarkeesian, it's funny, he talked about as you said, him wants to be even more aggressive on fourth down. They've been they're four of seven on fourth down tries this year. And I think it's really interesting, Chip, because I think, and I do want your thoughts on this, but I think you have to take into account some of the short yardage play calls that you see on third down, Chip. Maybe you have to think in the sense that, hey, maybe it's four down territory, Chip, right? You get outside of your own 35. Maybe Steve Sarkeesian's thinking fourth down territory, and maybe that's some of the reason why if they're in a third and four, third and three, and, and you see a pass, right, maybe Sarka's thinking, well, uh, it's four down territory, so I'm going to treat it that way. So there's the first thing. Now you talked about him talking about the need to execute better. And, and that, um, I, I, to an extent, Chip, it, it's kind of been Steve Sarkeesian's company line, right? You know, even when I asked him following the Oklahoma game, he said, we got we to gotta play better, we got to execute better, right? I, I think that is, it's twofold, Chip. One, yes, of course, it comes down to execution. But with that being said, I think the players are, and yes, Steve Sarkis did to talk about the fact that the coaches need to do better as well. Uh, in terms of the execution, I think the players can only execute to the best of what they're given, right? If you got, and we talked about this uh, at length on previous podcasts, Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat in the double heavy <laughs> package there. Well, there's only so much room to execute down there when the windows are already condensed. Uh, everything is tighter. You're backed up against the goal line and now we've added two 300 pounders in the backfield, right? So some of that execution, I do think it was um, proper for Steve Sarkeesian to take some of the the onus on that, right? Because there's only so much you can execute when you got so many bodies down there, right? So I think it will be interesting to see how things shape up. I just wrote a piece today of Horns 24-7 talking about Savion Red, Chip. By the numbers, you're most- Savion Red Zone? Savion Red Zone. The most successful uh, rusher in third and fourth down and two yards or less to go this year has been Savion Red. He's converted four times, three times out of the wildcat chip. I do think there's something to be said. Ask, you know, any offensive coordinator, any offensive coach in the nation, they'll tell you down there in the red zone and specifically on the goal line, when you got to account for all 11 hats in the run game or just all 11 hats in general. That makes a big difference, right? So I do think there may be some merit to that. And it's something, Chip, that I, I, again, I wrote about this. That can't happen again. Whether or not Texas loses to Oklahoma, we'll see, right? I think both of us believe that that's inevitably where we're heading is a rematch of the Red River shootout, right? Whether or not they lose to Oklahoma, you know, that'll be decided on the field. You can't have four tries from the one yard line and not walk away with any points happen again this year. No way. So no way.
1: There you go. And and that's, you know, I think we we feel like Texas and Oklahoma should play for the big 12 championship because they are the two best teams, the two most talented teams. Um, And we'll see how OU handles the rest of their schedule. They, they put it together against Texas. They, they were the better team that day. Texas did enough to win but they didn't win. And so they've got to live with it. They've got to, they've got no margin for error either, Eric. Um well will I want to ask you about Savion Red in a second, but what we are now witnessing is the rest of college football taking center stage. We had Washington and Oregon this past weekend. We've got Ohio State and Penn State this weekend. Um, We're going to have Michigan, Ohio State later. There are no games on Texas' schedule that are going to command the imagination of the viewers, voters, college football playoff committee, um, the way that the Alabama game did and the way that the Oklahoma game did. So now Texas has to just handle business. And they, they need to be convincing quite honestly, because when you have a team like Washington floating around out there, you've got a one loss Alabama, you've got Georgia, you've got Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State. Um, We don't know how things are going to play out, but based on what we've seen from all of these teams in midseason, and heck, even with the way Jaden Daniels is playing quarterback at LSU, They've, Texas has to, they got to win. They got to win convincingly. Um, style points are now uh, coming into effect here. So with that said, you know, save you on red, um, because it's so crazy to think that Texas's offense has been performing pretty well in, in other areas. You know, you've got Jonathan Brooks, who's on pace, He's on Bijan robinson pace um and i wrote about my season projections and um and how you know this guy is he's exceeding my projection um and and then you've got Xavier worthy ad mitchell um you know jo- jordan whittington coming off his best game of the season john tate cook Quinn Ewers, who completed 26 of his last 28 passes against OU and 19 straight, how this team cannot um get it going in the red zone. And we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if they're ready um to to execute better in that end. And I I do think that a lot of it is, you know, what your what your players are best at executing. And, you know, we can we've already second guessed all the you know do you stick with Tavandre Sweat and Byron Murphy when you're down to your third string center or do you move the pocket and try some run pass option to hide the fact that you've got a third string center um but either way uh Eric you've got you know another running quarterback coming in and Donovan Smith who Texas knows they saw him already he beat them already um he beat them At Texas Tech last year as the quarterback, the Red Raiders, when he threw for uh, two touchdowns, ran for another, was converting fourth down after fourth down Um, and, you know, using tempo. I I asked Jalen Ford today, hey, how much tempo is Houston running? He's like, haven't seen much, but probably going to see some after what they saw from us against OU. So, you know, this, we've got sort of, uh, you know, Texas coming out of the lab here. And if you, you know, had to say, and we'll talk about this a little bit, I think, and like it or leave it, but are you, you know, what would be your top concern? I've got two concerns
2: and like you said we'll we'll talk about it a little bit and and take it or leave it um i would like to see the team consistently start well uh, so we did not get that against oklahoma we've only seen it you can make the argument we've only really seen it against baylor um even alabama was a bit of you know a, a back and forth punching match which you expect that's a premier team I'd like to see this team no pun intended take the bull by the horns right bring the game to an opponent and really knock them out again we saw that against Baylor I think there's a real opportunity to do that against Houston the other concern I have is Houston has
1: the worst scoring defense in the big 12
2: you nailed it the other concern I have is I do think, Chip, that teams are going to, and I want to leave you some room to talk about the dual threat quarterback, but I think teams are going to look to test the secondary, and especially as Ryan Watts is still coming off an injury, and you know Jalen Catalan is banged up, and he's kind of struggled a little bit in coverage, you we'll have to see how things work out. I think teams are going to want to see, can Texas communicate? How many times have we heard the word communication? From whether it was, you know, linebacker David Bender or Jade Barron, right? So I do think teams are going to look to exploit that and really try to put the pressure on Texas in that sense. Now, of course, that won't necessarily matter if Texas is front seven, specifically the mean, nasty, and violent defensive line that we've heard about from day one of fall Camp is putting pressure on quarterbacks. You know, that won't really matter, right? But with that being said, Chip, there's a happy medium between, a Baylor, when we saw them, they looked like they couldn't protect a soul. And then of course they managed to come back and beat UCF or there's a happy medium between them or a rice or, you know, you can't even say Kansas because they weren't playing with Jalen Daniels and a TCU or a Kansas state, or just, you know, a very formidable conference opponent, right? That worries me because yes, we've seen that front seven and that front four look, I mean, they've looked outstanding the entire year. So, I mean, more or less, I, I don't want to take anything away from them, but we've seen them look wholly dominant against teams that they should look dominant against and, and overpower them. But what happens when they're up against, you know, again, a, a formidable Big 12 team that, you know, isn't going to, by any stretch, you know, maybe that offensive line won't handle the defensive line, but they'll put up a fight. And then can that secondary do what they need to do on the back end? So those are the two concerns
1: for me going forward. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's uh um you know, in talking to the players it sounds like they've uh reset. Uh Quinn Ewers did say he needs to find a way to get into rhythm quickly and stay in rhythm. Uh like we said, he he was nails um after uh, at least throwing the football after a really uh, two two turnovers on the first two drives, one of, one of which led to a touchdown for Oklahoma, uh, then he settled in. But that touchdown on the interception proved to be huge. So um, that uh, that you know that rings true. And then you know the injuries. Uh, Steve Sarkisian uh, didn't really provide much clarity uh today in talking about you know who's you know they were all at practice what they were doing we have no idea but you know I mean Jake Majors has a high ankle sprain I'll be shocked if he plays uh against Houston um Sark made it sound like Cole Hudson's still limited coming off the knee injury if that's the case uh maybe something aggravated it or I don't know um but we'll we'll get more information as the week goes on and and uh ryan watts hamstring i know they're very uh concerned about they don't want it to recur same with jatavian sanders ankle injury so um a lot of lot of uh game time decisions i i think well maybe a couple let's put it that way um but if jake majors and cole hudson are out again for this game against Houston, you're looking at Connor Robertson, the third string center back in there, trying to hold everything down. And and look, he'll he'll gain experience, trial by fire, drinking from a fire hose, all those things. Um, but you're you're down to your third string center, and obviously they can move guys around. Hayden Connor can play center. We know NATO Yumizolu can play left guard if Hayden Connor has to go to center. Um Hayden Connor's been you know playing at less than 100% as well according to Steve Sarkeesian. So and Calvin Banks playing with a little bit of an ankle uh that he suffered um you know against Kansas. So this is this is an offensive line that um you know is Definitely needed the off week. We'll see how much progress they've made. Again, not a ton of clarity from Steve Sarkeesian um, as we, you know, begin game week here for, for the Houston Cougars. Um, you know, from a mindset standpoint, Eric, um, this this, you know, football team. And one thing that I heard today from Jalen Ford was, you know I asked him about playing every snap of the OU game in the up tempo. You know, did it you know cause issues? Um Barron said it it did a little bit initially, but then he kind of settled in because Jody Barron also played every snap, 82 snaps against Oklahoma. Um and Jalen Ford said no, our communication broke down uh on the final drive and and uh and so we've got to work on that. But he did mention i said when you get a blow it's usually david benda who comes in for you at middle and anthony hill comes in at weak side linebacker and he said yeah or jet bush and maybe now lianga lafau so keep an eye on number 18 defensively against houston to see if the coaches are ready to start giving some snaps to Leonga lafau at middle linebacker we know he's a guy that they're hoping can be the heir apparent to Jalen Ford. Are they ready to trust the freshman with some reps and, and see how it goes? Obviously, Texas, a 22 and a half point favorite against Houston. Maybe this is a game where you take Leonga LaFau for a test drive. Chip,
2: it's really, really interesting. Um, our own Jeff Howe. Is asked Steve Sarkeesian about his philosophy with the young guys. I know you have as well in recent weeks. I almost think it's fitting that, you know, we as a staff are doing this farm system series because doesn't it almost feel chip in, in some ways, right? That Texas and Steve Sarkeesian's philosophy with young guys is almost a little bit baseballish. And this is what I mean. Hear me out. So, you know, sure, you, you got your number one draft pick, number one overall prospect, right? Those guys like A Hill, who you know. They're going to the show, right? But everyone else, Steve Sarkeesian has consistently harped on with young guys. The trick is to get them to perform consistently. And maybe it's starting them out in some guys in A ball, some guys in double A ball, right? See how they fare. Maybe some guys with the bye week, some of the twos and the threes, getting a chance to get after it a little bit. And maybe they can show some consistency just the way they slowly work some of those guys who, again, might not be, you know, ready for prime time immediately, but as soon as they start showing that consistency, then, you know, some guys get a little taste on special teams. Leonga LaFowle has been an example of that, but per pro football focus, he's the highest graded special teamer. And he's right there with Keaton Crawford, you know, actually leads the team in special teams tackles with three. So just slowly, but surely bringing him along. And now maybe, you know, he's crushing it in AAA, and it's like, all right, we're ready to bring up to the show. So I, I do think that that is, is really interesting to keep an eye on, Chip, because going in, into the stretch run here, they're going to need that depth. They're going to need a Leonga to be able to give a guy a blow, like a Jalen, give a guy like Jalen Ford a blow. Or even, uh, you know, we heard Sark talk about the fact he wished he'd worked in Jonte Cook a little bit, right? You know, in the Oklahoma game. I think the more depth that this team can accumulate, and especially if it's these young guys that they've recruited who just slowly but surely are now ready to go and make plays, or maybe I shouldn't, you know, put, say, make plays on, but just bestow that on these guys, but, you know, play meaningful snaps. I think that's a better way to put it. It's only going to help this team's chances to make that run that you talked about, Chip. And quite frankly, win games in the impressive fashion that you stated they will need to. Because, and I did want to add to that point that you made earlier. Yeah, a lot of those programs that Texas is going to be fighting with for a playoff spot, they've got premier matchups, big time matchups, as you mentioned. And unfortunately, if you're not someone who has looked at the box scores, but has actually watched Texas. While the wins are there, you, you did have some struggles against Wyoming, right? And you had some struggles, Um uh, uh, in, in other games right you know it's slow start against rice struggles against wyoming you know things of that nature so y- you almost wish and you look at texas point of view texas is building its resume they're going to need some of those decisive wins because if they don't then you can look back and say oh well what's the difference between us keeping a texas out and maybe putting another team in And well maybe some of those other teams had decisive wins down the stretch and we start thinking back well Texas started slow against Wyoming again, so well, maybe they're not truly as, as as good as they're advertised, right? So, uh, and of course, the lost Oklahoma. So, all things you need to take into account heading into uh, really the meat of Texas's Big Twelve play.
1: Yeah, the the thing about college football, it's always there's always been a huge amount of subjectivity to crowning a champion uh, in college football. I mean, when you think back to the fact that the Associated Press used to crown a champion, uh, the the coaches poll crowned a champion, then we had the BCS with the computers and the guys in their basements, and then we moved, you know, to the to the playoff committee, which is subjective in its own right, and there are a lot of Tuesdays starting, what, later this month, or, you know, where you're going to get some Weird answers about why this team moved up and why this one didn't. The bottom line is Texas has to win out. Um, I don't think there's any doubt if Texas wins out, they'll probably face Oklahoma um, again. And that will, you need Oklahoma to keep winning though. You need Oklahoma to be as as pretty as can be. If you're going to face them again in the big 12 championship, you need them undefeated. You need them in the, in the, you know, top four. So that when you beat them, it is every bit the uh, the win that the committee, you know, considers as, oh, okay, there's that demonstrative, clear cut, late in the season win for Texas. Um, again, first things first, the Houston Cougars, who, how on earth are they going to come back to earth, uh, Eric? I mean, after winning on a Hail Mary on a Thursday night, they've had a long week to uh, to get ready for Texas, which, again, you're like, okay. But how are they going to be able to come back emotionally? Um, do you think that win gives them added confidence? Or does it serve as a hangover?
2: Uh, you know, Chip, I think if it were any – other opponent i would say it may serve as a hangover but you know certainly better than i do as far as the history dating back to the old southwest conference with these two teams and obviously none of the players you know were were remotely even born right during those uh those games however something that i think is interesting and you know um i'll give a shout out to i believe it was joe duarte um who uh who tweeted this out that some of the attitude there uh, during Dana Holdens' presser was if you win one game this year, it's beat Texas, right? And that while it's certainly something that will fire up the horns because they know that they're on the big 12 for, for well tour, right? It should fire up the Cougars as well. Yeah. It was similar talk we heard from Baylor, right? If you win one game, I beat Texas. Say. <laughs> however, um, yeah, I I do think, Chip, really, if it were any other opponent, I'd say, man, that's that's tough, the emotional swing to kind of come back from that, right? Especially the fact that they let that game slip away uh, against West Virginia and to come back when on the Hail Mary. But they, they got something to get, you know, juiced up for. Yeah, you know, You're playing Texas one final time. You got them at home. The, the first time you're playing the horns since, and this is, in, again, in my research, you know, the old uh, debacle with the bleachers. <laughs> and a lot of Texas fans were left... Uh, unsatisfied quite frankly not getting a chance to, to go down and make the trip to wash the horns so um plenty there to get fired up for and i do think i i do genuinely think chip uh, and we'll get to you know maybe our thoughts on how this game will play out later on but i do think houston's going to come out and try to punch you know i i think you, again you've seen teams that have been equipped to throw a punch throw a punch and land now of course they can't they weren't able to sustain it uh for four quarters outside of oklahoma but Houston does, uh, I don't want to say a blueprint, but they've seen other teams at least put up a, a, a puncher's chance against Texas. And, you know, Donovan Smith, he's not going to be intimidated. He's played Texas before. We heard, you know, Jada Barron and David Benda talk about some of the receivers. You know, uh, um, Stephon Johnson, Matthew Golden, some of the guys there, they, Samuel Brown. They've got some talented playmakers on offense. This is a team that offensively is amongst the top, uh, I believe they're ranked 34. I have to go back and double check those numbers. I was researching that for a store later this week, but in in passing, right? Now, of course, some of that came in a shootout against Rice and, you know, and trying to keep up in some games, but still, by no stretch of the imagination, offensively speaking, is a team that, you know, is deficient or, or can't punch. The defense, as you mentioned, that's not the issue. But offensively, if Texas were to come in sleepwalking, you know, they, they could run some issues. So just to bring it back to your question, Chip, yeah, I think Houston's going to be going to come out and be juiced up for this game because it is Texas. It's the last time they're going to get Texas for uh, the foreseeable future.
1: Yeah. Houston's <clears throat> Houston's defense um giving up over 30 points per game. Um Dana Holgerson's offense, fun, exciting, Donovan Smith is scary because when he gets hot, it's it's something to see and you know, he threw for four touchdowns against west virginia he ran um for a touchdown he's he is certainly capable of filling the stat sheet and again after texas performance against dylan gabriel donovan smith is a problem and uh the question is can the cougars defense come up with anything to slow down texas so um eric you know when when you look at the rest of the, the kind of commentary coming out of the off week, um, you know, I think the mindset of the team they practiced on Monday uh, talking to the players that it was um, you know, the guys were in the right mindset that they are hungry. They feel like they have something to prove. There is a chip on their shoulder, um, and that's that's all good. Jade Barron gave us his. We got another championship game this week. He has said that every week. At first, it sounded kind of funny, but he's right. Um, it is every week a championship week if Texas wants to uh, get uh, accomplish the goals that they laid out before the season. So. Um, You know, I think this team is mature. They've got good culture. They got busted in the mouth. I don't think they'll, I don't think doubt is a big factor um, with this team now that they've taken a loss, but we'll see. Um, This is a team that needs to get better uh, week to week improvement. Sign of a well-coached team, week to week improvement. Uh, Championship teams get better every week. So let's see how they they handle business as a 22 and a half point favorite down in Houston. And uh, Eric, you brought it up in the early 2000s. Texas was doing a two for one. And the one, you know, down at uh, Hoffines was, hey, you need to add bleachers to be able to meet uh, the allotment of tickets that we need and they put up some erector set bleachers. There was a big storm, Uh, an engineer ruled them unsafe. So they were basically condemned and a ton of Texas fans were left out in the cold and DeLostad said, we are never playing here again. And I can't really remember Texas playing any Houston sports in any sport after that under de la stot so um the final 12 or so years of his regime and gosh really even beyond that so um there has been some bad blood in the past again none of these players know anything about that the texas old heads like me remember it but um yeah and houston of course had to wait had to wait had to wait they were like on the uh Waiting list to get into the restaurant, trying to get into the Big 12. They got stiff-armed um, until, obviously, you had uh, Texas and OU announce that they're headed to the SEC. So, uh, But for this one year, this one glorious year, Eric, they all share the same um, zip code, address, conference, however you want to put it. So uh, it should be fun. All right. uh, You ready for some take it or leave it? I am absolutely
2: ready for some take it or leave it, Chip,
1: no doubt. All right.
3: Selling a little or a lot? to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com/slash Odyssey Podcast. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast.
1: And if you're watching us on the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel, we will roll on. All right, Eric. You ready for got, some take it or leave it? Got some
2: take it or leave it, Chip. I will jump into the first one here and ask you. Take it or leave it. Your biggest concern going to the second half of the year?
1: Texas' red zone offense. Take it or leave it, CB. You know what? I'm going to leave this. Um My biggest concern going into the second half of the season is now Texas's injury situation. Um, and how quickly they can get healed up and what this offensive line looks like, uh, with or without Jake majors as the starting center. Um, what, you know, what's going on, um, with Jalen Catalan and, and Ryan Watts, um, I think guys will gain valuable experience like they, like they did in the OU game, even though Texas lost that game Um, guys gained valuable experience, Derek Williams, whether he didn't yell loud enough, didn't pass off Nick Anderson in a way that David Benda could hear it. David Benda said, it's my fault. Um, But Derek Williams is going to be better off for that situation. And Malik Muhammad's going to be better off. You know, despite the missed tackle on Jaleel Farouk that would have kept him in bounds. Still, to play at an elite level, you've got to have elite playmakers and experience out there. Um, Or, you know, that could be an or situation, elite playmakers and or experience. Um, And so I'm going to say right now, my biggest concern is the injury situation. Eric, how about you? Chip, I'm taking it,
2: and I feel like it would be, um, you know, inauthentic, for lack of a better word, if I took anything else, only because I've written about it three times in the four months I've, I've been a part of Horns 24-7. This is not just a blip on the radar. It's something that extends back to last year. Texas has had issues. You've probably heard me say it a dozen times now. When everyone in the stadium knows you got to run the football They've had issues picking those things up. Now, listen, you made a great point. Steve Sarkeesian today talked about being more aggressive and, you know, going fourth down. Maybe that plays a factor, right? You know, maybe uh, treating it as it, treating some of those situations like it's four down territory plays a factor. Hell, I don't care. Maybe they can find a way to pass. I asked uh, Quinn Ewers specifically a question about passing in those situations, because if you go back and look at the numbers, Texas has passed, um, you know, almost as much as they've run uh, of the. 20 attempts I'm trying to remember the numbers are off the top of my head. I believe they've run 13 times in past seven in those situations when it's, you know, third down or fourth down and less than two yards to go. So, hey, if they pick it up passing, great, right? All that matters is they convert, but this is not just a one game thing. It's now almost a season and a half thing. So, yes, I feel like it'd be inauthentic of me if I didn't go with this
1: one, Chip. I am taking it. Yeah, there's no doubt it cost them. In the OU game, for sure. All right, Eric, take it or leave it. Of the injured players, Ryan Watts is the player most needed on the field. Take it or leave it.
2: This one was tough because I love Ryan Watts as a player. I mean, every time we get a chance to talk with Ryan, he's a great quote. a Really excellent cornerback, someone who plays well in run support. I, I was torn, however, Chip, just to me, it feels as if there's more uncertainty with what's behind the banged up offensive lineman in terms of getting that continuity ready to go and to perform at a level that's needed, especially in big 12 play, as opposed to a Manny Muhammad or a Terrence Brooks or some of the other guys there at corner. Right. So I am leaving it. Uh, My concern would be with the uh, banged up offensive lineman. What says UCB?
1: Yeah. I mean, um, look, I, I, I tend to agree with you, um, that, you know, Jake majors, I know fans are like, Oh, we need a bigger center who can take on 350 pound nose tackles. Listen, rare is the center who can handle a head up nose tackle. Who's 350 pounds with, with any talent. Um, there's just a level of leadership and an experience that Jake majors brings to the field that I think settles everybody else down on the offensive line, especially when you have young guys Um, you know, we talk about Cole Hudson being the, the backup center. He started every game at right guard last year with a torn labrum in his shoulder. Um, He lost his starting position to DJ Campbell at right guard. We've never seen him. Well, we've seen him in mop-up duty at center um, for Texas, but in a meaningful game, I'm I'm intrigued. I'm excited. Um, Steve Sarkeesian says Cole Hudson was still limited on Monday, so I'm I'm with you. I'm going to leave this as as good as I think Ryan Watts is, and I think he just takes all your concerns away for half the field uh, as the boundary corner. Um, I'm. I'm going to leave this because I I agree with you that the offensive line uncertainty is uh, it seems like a bigger issue right now.
2: Take it or leave it. Number three, Chip, the aforementioned Donovan Smith, former Red Raider, now making his home in Houston, will be held below his season high of 57 yards rushing. This is a great question submitted to you by submitted by you, Chip, coming off of the Dylan Gabriel. Um, I guess debacle for
1: lack of a better word, but take it or leave it CB. What you got? Well, if, if you don't hold him below his season high of 57 yards rushing, then you didn't prepare uh, and you didn't make changes or adjustments coming off of the Oklahoma game. So I'm going to take this. I'm going to give Pete Kwiatkowski and this defensive coaching staff and these defensive players. The benefit of the doubt that there were some lessons learned in the Oklahoma loss uh, that you can't let the quarterback uh, extend plays, drives with his legs. Um, And they've seen this already from Donovan Smith, who converted six of eight fourth downs as the quarterback at Texas Tech last year. And some of those were like fourth and six. I mean, Donovan Smith got hot. And lit him up, and he ran, and he threw, and he scored. Um, So, uh, Eric, I am going to take this. How about you,
2: Chip? Can I can I say it with my chest? Because I'm I'm going to put my whole chest behind this one. The whole not only not only will Donovan Smith be held below the 57 yards rushing, he'll be held to that number below that number, even without the adjusted sack yardage. I'm taking it. I think that Donovan Smith, yeah, it, it's not going to matter in my mind. I think this defense has a point to prove, yeah, especially coming off of the way they performed last week. You can't start setting this, um, you know, being this trend, this, this standard of letting guys who are elusive in the pocket, you know, get out and make plays, right? Because as we kind of saw last weekend, there's some guys in this conference who are suddenly popping up at quarterback who are elusive. Can't set a blueprint that okay.
1: Avery Johnson, there you Joshua go, at TCU. Avery Johnson at Kansas State just popped up over the weekend.
2: Can't set a standard that hey, the way to attack this, attack this Texas defense is with an elusive guy. So I think there's a lot riding on this, and like I said, I, I think even without the adjusted sack yardage, um, that I do think they will get on Donovan Smith they will, in
1: fact, hold him to below his season high of rushing. All right. There you have it. There you have it, kids. Um, Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Flagship Podcast. For Eric Henry, I am Chip Brown. Until next time, we'll see you over at Horns247.com, where we'll have a whole bunch more getting you ready for Texas versus Houston in Houston. Three o'clock Saturday. Uh, Until next time, stay safe and keep the faith.